Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Way to Live podcast. My name is Lindsay Moore, and I am your host. Well, I'm happy you're here with me today, here being electronically here, here listening to this podcast whenever you're listening. I pray that it blesses you. Today, I want to talk about being fruitful, about fruitfulness. The Bible has a lot to say about being fruitful, and I think that um, bearing good fruit bearing the fruit that God wants us to bear is an important result of our transformation of a true relationship with Christ. And so I want to talk about that today. So I wanted to start with Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and harden their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So in these verses, Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and he details how we should live as followers of Christ. In verses 17 through 20, first, he tells them that they shouldn't live like the Gentiles do. Um, So for us, you know, that we shouldn't live or be who we were pre-Christ because the Gentiles were in relation, were not in relationship with Christ. And then in verses 20 through 24, Paul tells them the new way to live. He tells them that this old behavior isn't what they learned from Christ. So those old patterns of behavior, the way that they thought, what they did, they didn't learn it from Jesus. And now they're called to live differently and to think differently, to behave differently. And he tells them that they were created to be like God truly righteous and holy. And as I read this, I really, I pictured this as like a a close interaction between friends or close family. I pictured Paul, you know, not like almost pleading, pleading with someone and telling them like, I want you to put on the new nature because you were created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, set apart. You've heard the truth and now you need to respond. You can't live the same old lifestyle that you did before Christ. You can't let your flesh control you anymore. We have been given a new way to live, and it's up to us to walk in it, and we get to walk in it. And when I read these verses like this, it really hits home. Again, like a friend pleading with another friend or a family member because they care about one another and want them to live according to who they're called to be now. And I know it's hard to break from a habit or an addiction or a lifestyle or a way of thinking. And I know that many of you do too. Like even when you know that it isn't good for you, it's still hard. And, you know, just praise the Lord that he left us with the helper, the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that in many, many podcasts. Those are verses John, verses John, John chapter 14, 16 through 17. um, When Jesus says, and I will ask the Holy Spirit. 
I will ask the father, excuse me, let me get this together. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So again, when you received Jesus, he indwelled you. He made his home in you. And he's the helper, the comforter, the encourager, the counselor, the intercessor, the standby, the helper. Those are other definitions that are found in other other verses. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And so we're not alone. So we are called to be different. And it's not always easy. But we do have the helper. And he comforts us. He encourages us. He counsels us. He stands by us. And he helps us. And that encourages me. And I hope it encourages your heart as well. We're called to be different. We're not called to be perfect. The Holy Spirit helps us to be different. Next, I want to jump to Galatians 5, 16 through 26, and this is kind of a big chunk of verses, so just bear with me here. They're good verses. So Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 through 26 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desire of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed these passions, the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So this is Paul writing again, this time to the Galatians. In these letters, I think it's really important to remember that they are written to the Galatians or to the Ephesians, but it's written for us today. And so it applies to us today. And he's telling us how we should live now. Verse verse 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit should guide our lives, that we should be different. Again, he's using that same language. And he details the old way, the sinful nature, and tells us what the result is. So if you're ever wondering, like, what's the worst that can happen by following the desires of my old self, of the sinful nature, verses 19 through 21 tell that tell you that. And I'm not going to reread those, but that's, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, and so on. And then in verses 20 through, two, through 23, we're told, but... The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So Paul first tells us of the old fruit, and then he tells us of the new fruit. There are so many references to fruitfulness in the Bible, so it's important. It's important to God. Fruitful really means to produce fruit. It's pretty simple. Um, And the first reference of fruitfulness or the concept of being fruitful is actually found in Genesis 1. Right off the bat, 27 through 28. It says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. I always took this this verse, these verses, to mean bear a lot of children. Children being the fruit. It says be fruitful and multiply. But being fruitful and multiplying, those are two words, certainly related. But also be fruitful and multiply. So do this and that. God wants us to be fruitful. It's the first thing that he said. When he blessed man after they made us in their image, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when they made us in their image. So it's important to him that we are fruitful. And what kind of fruit should we bear? We should definitely have the babies. (laughs) Have the babies, yes. But bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit that we're listed in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. That's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I keep telling myself I'm not going to read that full list, but here I am reading the full list. I love it. It's good stuff. So how does the Holy Spirit produce this fruit in us? Again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And when we let him work in us, when we yield to him, and when we learn, the result is that we produce the same fruit that he does. The result is that we would have and display those fruit of the Spirit the fruit that God bears. The fruit of the Spirit are the same fruit that God bears. And they're on display everywhere that we go. They literally touch every part of our lives, personally and in our work and in relationships and even in our relationship with ourselves. We have to participate with him. And when we do, we change from the inside out. We naturally begin to bear the same fruit, to look and behave more like Christ we begin to bear the same image as Christ. John 15 tells us more about this process of bearing fruit and really how it all works. I love it. He gives us all the details. So John 15 verses 1 and 2, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So Jesus tells us he's the vine. He's the source. God, the father, is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. And he prunes them so that they'll bear more fruit, quality fruit, good fruit. So if Jesus is the vine, who are the branches? We are told in verse 5. Yes, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches that God prunes. So how did we get attached? We were engrafted into God's family to the vine. We became one with the vine. 
we begin to bear the fruit from that same vine. We were engrafted when we received Jesus. And you don't get attached to the vine and produce something that the vine doesn't produce. So you wouldn't like get attached and produce Sour Patch Kids or, you know, just like a peach tree doesn't produce apples because it's not who they are. You bear the fruit of what you're attached to. Back in verse three, Jesus says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So we were pruned and purified by the message that Jesus gave us, the gospel. And our job is to remain in him. To remain means to stay, to abide, to live with, to stay in his presence and to dwell. And if we choose not to stay with him, there's a severing. I mean, like if you choose to go from Jesus to profess that you no longer believe or that you just don't believe, you're, you're severed. The connection is severed and you can't produce fruit if you're severed. So we have to remain attached to the vine. I want to jump to verses six through eight, where Jesus says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. So if we decide not to remain or to not get attached in the first place, we wither like a useless branch. It doesn't produce anything, not leaves, not fruit. And we're gathered up and thrown into the fire. But if you remain in him and his words in, in you, you can ask what you want. And it will be granted. You'll produce much fruit and your true disciples. And all of these things bring glory to God. So when we put all of those verses together, in short, this is what we learned. Jesus is the true vine. God is the vine dresser, the gardener. He takes care of the vine and the branches, ensuring fruitfulness. We are the branches that are attached to Jesus and we were engrafted in. God cuts off everything that doesn't bear fruit or good fruit. He prunes every branch attached to the vine to maximize the yield of fruit. And what kind of fruit does God want to maximize? The fruit of the Spirit, the same fruit that he bears. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when I was studying for this, I went down a really interesting rabbit trail that really expanded my understanding of the pruning process. So when you're pruning a fruit tree or really, I guess, anything that like bears fruit, you go in with a plan and with a purpose. You can't just start clipping willy-nilly and hope for a good outcome. I've definitely done that. And I'm just saying I don't recommend it. 100% I don't recommend. So when you're pruning, pruning, there's something called the three D's of pruning. So the first one is dead, the first D. So anything that's dead should be cut off. It's no good. God wants it cut off. So that could be a relationship or a behavior, a thought process, sin, shame. It does you no good to keep a dead branch attached because it can't bear fruit. And it can cause more damage to other branches, like in a storm or something like that. The second D is damaged. So anything damaged should be cut off because it can let disease in. So places maybe where branches have rubbed up together or there's a broken limb, 
that leaves the plant susceptible to disease. So are you engaging in a broken behavior, like maybe strife or anger, bitterness or gossip? That leaves you susceptible. It gives the enemy a way in. It leaves the door open for the enemy. And so we have to let God cut that off as well. The third D is diseased. So anything that's already diseased should be cut off. The disease, so just so that the disease doesn't spread to the rest of the plant or the tree, um, which would decrease fruitfulness, maybe the quality of fruit and possibly kill the plant altogether. So spiritually, has the enemy already gotten a foot in? Maybe more. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and change what needs to be changed. Shut the door on the behavior. You shut the door on the enemy. We have to kick that door shut and tell the enemy where to go back to, to go back to where he came from. So the thing with dead, damage, and disease branches, again, is that they can affect other branches. So when we think of a tree, you know, maybe trees that are dead, damaged, and diseased, they're not stable in a storm. And if a storm comes like a windstorm or a hurricane or something like that, it can take out some of those other good branches. Or if disease gets in somewhere, it can spread to the other branches. This is the same for us. For example, let's let's talk about patience or impatience. Let's say there's a branch of impatience in someone. I don't know who that would be. I've never been impatient in my life, of course, and I'm sure you haven't either. But if we let that go too long without changing, pretty soon we're laying on the horn on the way to church because someone sat too long at the stop sign. Or we snap at the cashier because the line was long. That branch of impatience has the potential to affect your good fruit of kindness and love, gentleness and self-control, and that doesn't glorify God. Some other points about pruning are that pruning regulates growth, increases yields, improves fruit size and quality, and maintains plant health and vigor. So when we allow God to prune us, we bear more fruit, better quality fruit, larger fruit, tastier fruit, and it maintains our own health and vigor. His word is life and health to all of our flesh, and that's in the Bible. This maintains our own health and vigor when we allow ourselves to be pruned. Also, pruning allows airflow and sunlight deep into the canopy, which results in the full ripening of fruit and a vibrant color. The canopy is the top of the tree, like, you know, where the branches come out. It kind of looks like a canopy, if you can picture it. So we have some breathing room when light can get in. Light floods in, it chases out the darkness, and our fruit can ripen. It becomes vibrant. Also, you know, I was thinking, you know, there's space to see the fruit. So we used to live in Miami, Florida, and we had a mango tree in our backyard. It was delightful. We love the mangoes. So good. But honestly, we never did anything to maintain it because we're from Wyoming. We're from Nebraska. We don't have mango trees, so we didn't do anything to maintain it. We didn't know we should have. And so it grew in every direction, and there was a ton of fruit on it. You couldn't even see it all. Eventually, that fruit, you know, that was maybe at the top or that we couldn't see, it would rot and it would fall off the tree and the rats would come in and they would eat them up. My point is that pruning gets the good fruit on display and that glorifies God. There's not so much 
that it's rotting and falling off, it's the right amount. The good fruit is on display and that glorifies God. The old rotten fruit is out and the new has come for others to see. The fruit you display, it can draw people into a relationship with Christ or it can push them away. They can leave your interaction and think, wow, I wonder what was different. Why was that different? What was different about that? I'm going to ask them. Or they could leave and say, wow, I never want to talk to that person again. (laughs) I don't know why they were so cranky. Another point about pruning is that it focuses development of strong branches that can bear heavy fruit loads. Strong branches that can handle that increased yield of fruit. Pruning also directs energy where you want it. So he makes our branches strong by directing the energy where he wants it. So maybe, you know, now that he pruned the part of me that gets sucked into crime shows or gossip, I have more time and energy to put towards my relationship with Christ. Directing the energy where he wants it to go. Also, those strong branches really can bear the load of lots and lots of fruit. They don't break by a strong wind or a heavy storm. So in other words, they remain in even the varying circumstances of our lives. When someone is rude to you, your kindness branch doesn't break because it's strong. When something bad happens in your life, your branches don't break because they are strong. Regular pruning also reduces the need for severe pruning. So we don't want to be severely pruned. It's happened. I've been severely pruned. When I first came into relationship with Christ, it kind of felt like I was severely pruned. And if you've seen a severely pruned tree, you know that it looks all bare. It looks super wonky. It's very weird. Um, So you can imagine what that looks like. So our participation with the Holy Spirit, though, our yielding to the Holy Spirit, not ignoring him when he prompts us to change, but listening daily, changing bit by bit daily. I feel like that means that the ugly, dead, damaged, diseased stuff doesn't have to come off all at once. We, we shouldn't let it get out of control before we start being pruned. And if it already is, again, that's okay. I, again, I feel like I was severely pruned when I first came into relationship with Christ. Um, but it was good for me. Because even though I was severely pruned, you always see that that tree comes back, that those branches come back and they're better. They look prettier. They're more functional. They bear better fruit. So I want to encourage you to do the things that he wants to help you with. And your life will be changed and it'll look wholly different. Be open to the severe pruning if needed. Again, because while that plant may look bare and wonky, it grows back to flourish. There's a reason it was severely pruned. It grows back to flourish. It comes in fully and it looks better than it did before. And you will come back better than before as well. I want to point out too that when I say severe pruning, I'm not talking about God like dropping the hammer on you because that's not who he is. He loves you tenderly. He loves you um, for who you are. He loves you perfectly and he's merciful. And so there may be big changes, but he is not a severe God. He loves you. A couple more points on pruning. So pruning also encourages new shoots, new new growth. So one day I was eavesdropping on my friend's Natasha and Josie, and they were talking about someone that they listened to recently. Her name is Adala Shuttlesworth. She's really good. She has a podcast too. Um, And she was talking about the pruning process. And I heard them saying that the pruning process signals that God isn't done with you yet. The pruning signals new growth to occur. So the cut is made and the plant knows that it's time to grow a new shoot to get that energy going into a new place. 
So it encourages new shoots, new growth, more fruit-bearing branches. So maybe you were only bearing love and kindness, but you were pruned and now a new shoot comes up in its patience, a new one in its goodness, a new one in its self-control. So the last point is that old or neglected trees can be rejuvenated through restorative pruning. Restorative pruning increases vigor and results in a prolonged life. I thought this was a great one. So good. Does your relationship with Jesus feel old, stale? Maybe it's dead. Have you neglected pruning or bearing good fruit? Have you wandered away from the closest closeness that you once were in with Christ? Restorative pruning is for you. Restorative pruning improves your physical health and prolongs your life. So what I'm saying is that if you've gotten lukewarm, if you don't have the passion that you once had, there is restoration for you. Let God prune you. Let him help restore you back into relationship with him and back into fruitfulness. So I've talked a lot about a tree, and I feel like every time I talk to a group of people, I talk about trees. I'm not an arborist. I'm certainly not an arborist, but I find myself talking about trees a lot. But what I want to tell you is that it's not about the tree. It's about your relationship with Jesus and how that changes your life, how Jesus changes your life. Pruning is good. It's to our benefit. And those examples, I think, certainly paint a rosy picture of the process. But obviously, we know that it's not always easy and it can hurt sometimes, but it's always for our good. God might want to prune something from your life that you've leaned on for a long time, maybe an addiction to something or a long-standing bad relationship that you can't seem to get away from or an old habit that you fall back on. And that pruning may feel hard at the time, but just because it's hard doesn't mean that we can't change and that it's not worth it. We have the help of the Holy Spirit and we can do it. And I just want to say to you that God's never pruned something in me that didn't result in good. I've never looked back and been like, well, that backfired. Anything that he's pruned in me has resulted in good. So again, you know, we've talked a lot about pruning and it's fine for me to tell you, be pruned. But it's another thing entirely to understand what this looks like in our relationship with Christ. And so I have a few points on that, on what it looks like practically to be pruned and how it works. So first, his word prunes us. We read it in the Bible and our minds are renewed to the truth. And once we learn the truth on something, if our life doesn't reflect that truth, we should change. That's the Lord speaking to us. He speaks to us through his word. So if we notice that our lives don't reflect what what we're told in the word of God, we should change. And again, you don't go at it alone. The Holy Spirit knows how you should do it. God knows you intimately. He knows exactly how you should go about it. So be in participation with the Holy Spirit and, and have a, an ear inclined to him to listen to him and find out how you should change. The second area is conviction. So maybe you've been coming to church and you've been reading the Bible, or maybe you haven't, but now you feel bad when you gossip or you give into that temptation. Maybe you didn't feel bad about it before, but now you do because you know the truth and there's conviction. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is a good thing. Conviction happens because you know the truth. So if you're feeling that conviction, that feeling that what you're doing isn't right, you should listen to the Holy Spirit and bring that to the Lord and say, I do want what you want. I want to be like you, Lord. I want to do what you've said. I repent. Repenting is good. It's a good thing. It means to just turn the other way. I was going one way. 
to gossip and now I'm going to turn back and I'm going to go the other way and I'm not going to do it anymore. And sometimes I might have to repent quite a few times before I'm able to change. Sometimes I've repented many times, you know, because it's, it's habitual, but you continue to do it. And he helps us to change. He's so good. Another area that you might be pruned is in prayer or, you know, like maybe if something keeps popping into your head while you're in prayer or throughout the day, this is the Holy Spirit telling you that your thought pattern or behavior is no good, that this isn't who you're meant to be. Again, we should repent if that's how he's speaking to us, if that's where he's leading us, repent and allow him to help us. But you have to decide, you have to choose to change those areas that he's speaking to you on. You know, I think there's a lot to be said for understanding that we are a new creation as well. We're told that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you receive Jesus, you were at that point in Christ. And in that moment, you were made new. Maybe you didn't look new on the outside, but, but something's changed on the inside. The old passed away. It's dead. It's gone. It's gone forever. All things have become new. And you might say, you know, for example, I didn't feel any different after I received Christ. I still do the same things. It's up to us to participate and be changed. I think this is also a great verse to confess with your mouth anytime you fall back into an old pattern of behavior, or if you even just haven't broken from it yet, to confess that I am a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away and the new has come. And keep confessing this over yourself until that old behavior truly has passed away, until you've seen that manifest in your life. You may have heard the the phrase, God is a gentleman. What they mean is that God isn't in the business of forcing people to follow him. So we have a choice. He's given us free will. He didn't make man to be like little minions or little robots following him without a choice. He gave us free will to choose Jesus, to be saved. And we also get to choose how deep we go in relationship with Jesus. So when we receive Jesus as, as our savior, we are saved. We're on our way to heaven. Um, our pastor at our church like says all the time, you know, heaven is your home. And that's the truth. When you receive Jesus, heaven is your home. But what about the rest of our lives here on earth? Like, what are we to do with it? And who are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to act? What activities are we to engage in? How should we speak? We shouldn't stop at salvation and continue to be stuck in our old ways. We should be pruned. Allow God to prune you. And I want to point out too that like our salvation doesn't depend on the fruit that you bear. Jesus alone ensures the stability of our salvation. But good works have been prepared for us, prepared for us to walk in. I think that's an important part to remember. You know, your the amount of fruit that you bear, like I said, it doesn't secure your salvation because Jesus has already done so. Um, Roman 12, Romans 12, too, came to mind when I was thinking about this process of pruning. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is one of my all-time favorite verses, and I'm pretty sure I just I bring it up all the time to people. People are probably tired of hearing me talk about it. Maybe not, though, because it's a great verse. It's the Word of God. And it's so important. So as believers, we're called to not conform to the pattern of this world, meaning like just because the world, maybe unbelievers or believers alike are doing it, 
just because it's been deemed acceptable, acceptable, couldn't get that out, because it's been deemed acceptable, doesn't mean that we should go along with it without even thinking. But instead, we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our lives are transformed by the renewing of the mind. I know for me, when I first devoted my life to Jesus, there were some things that I thought were okay because the world had said that they were. But when I let God take those pruning shears and cut off those old beliefs and point me in the, in the direction of the correct belief, I experienced new, gro- new growth, exponential growth and freedom. What do I mean when I say I let God? Again, you know, people always say, you know, God's a gentleman, but, but he's also sovereign. God is sovereign and we don't have to really let him do anything. But we do have a choice because he's given us free will. We have a choice to participate with him and we can't be passive about it. Our transformation requires active participation. We can't actively resist him or choose to hold on to something that he wants us to let go of. When God wants to prune something, we shouldn't guard those branches and not let them in. We shouldn't try to hold on to a branch that's causing damage and disease. We have to say, yes, Lord, prune me, transform me, make me new. I want what you want. And also when he prunes us, we shouldn't like walk around picking up those sticks, lamenting over the fact that they're cut off, trying to duct tape them back on, saying, Lord, I really, I like gossip. Oh, it makes me feel good. Or I really love that unhealthy relationship that was producing no fruit, not helping me grow, keeping me in bondage, keeping me from growing in my relationship with you. Or I just miss whatever it is and I don't want to let it go. We have to remember that those branches were dead, diseased, damaged, and they cannot produce fruit. We have to throw those things into the fire to be burned and move on. Don't come back to pick it up. Don't sift through the ashes. Don't pick up that dead, diseased, useless branch again. Bear new fruit. Bear good fruit. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, bearing good fruit and bearing good fruit, we have to stay attached to the vine. So Pastor Bobby Calderon, he's um, our pastor here at our church, he said that a couple years ago, and it's really stuck with me that we need to stay attached to the vine drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit in all things. When we are impatient, drawing on patience. When we feel unkind, drawing on kindness. We have to remain in him, staying attached. Don't move away from God. Don't put your reliance in something or someone else. Stay attached. Don't wither. Don't be severed. The pruning will produce new growth And we have to be responsive to what the Lord wants to do there as well. Have an ear for the Lord throughout your day so that you can know how he wants you to respond. Be sensitive to his voice and yield to the Holy Spirit. When I say yield, I mean slow down and see which way he wants you to go before you go down the wrong path. It's just like when you're driving. If you're following the law and you know what a yield sign means and you hit that yield sign, you slow down. You wait to ensure that there's not a car coming. You yield. If you didn't know what a yield sign is, that's what it means. So now you know. You can consider this little driver's ed lessons. You should slow down at the yield sign. And so when we yield to the Holy Spirit, that means that we slow down and say, what do you want me to do here? Which way do you want me to go? What do you want me to think? What do you want me to say? And we go the direction that he wants us to go. The last thing I want to say about bearing fruit is that we're recognized by the fruit that we bear. Matthew 12, 33 
says a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. So when people interact with you, this is an honest question, would they recognize you to be a Christ follower based on the fruit that you display, that you bear? Would they come away from your interaction thinking like, wow, that was rude. Why were they so defensive? Or why why were they so impatient or unkind? Or would they come away from that interaction and think, that was different. I wonder what's different about them. Maybe I'll ask them and hopefully you'll tell them about Jesus, the vine, the reason for your good fruit. And that will change another life, causing them to also bear good fruit, drawing others in and glorifying God. Today, I just want to encourage you to be pruned. Let God prune you. Participate with him. Let him maximize the growth and production of the fruit of the spirit in your life. If there's something that God wants to prune in you today, something that God wants you to let go of, I want to encourage you to throw it in the fire, to be done with it. Don't leave with it today. Don't pick it up again and take it with you. Be transformed and bear new fruit. Be recognized as a Christ follower by the good fruit that you bear. I want to pray before we go. Lord, we love you. We honor you and we praise you. Lord, I thank you for the great work that you want to do in us, Lord, that you want us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that when you expose us to the truth, you want us to to move in the direction of the truth if we're believing untruths. Lord, I, I just pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today, Lord, that if there's something in their lives that you want to prune, that they would have a, an ear for that word, that they would choose to be pruned, that they would choose, they would repent of whatever it is that you're wanting them to let go of, that they would go in a different direction, that they would be transformed, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that they would have a sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit, that they would yield at every turn, at every decision to the Holy Spirit, and that that would change their lives, Lord. Lord, I just thank you that we as believers are recognized by our fruit, Lord. I ask that you help each of us to consider whether or not we would be recognized by the fruit that we bear. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this wonderful plan and design that you have for our lives, Lord, that you want us to be wholly different, to look different, to behave different, and to think different, Lord. We thank you that this changes us completely in a good way. Father, we love you, and we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope that you'll follow this podcast and that you'll catch catch the upcoming episodes.